Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 365 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden back with you here on a Saturday night. I know it's been a while. When was the last time I came on here? Like Tuesday? Last live stream? Last live episode? The uh, podcasting system is transitioning. There was doing some moving around. So instead of it being on the gas lamp ball feed, now it's going to be on fans first sports network. So I just had to pause for a little bit to transition that over to the new feed. Uh, so if you go to the podcast platforms, you still go, you can still go to like my social media, click on that link, the link tree, and it'll take you there. Uh, but if you go to Apple podcasts or Spotify now, just look up talking friars. You don't have to look up gas lamp ball anymore. Just look up talking friars and you should see it there. I don't know if my logo is going to be up yet, but you'll see it there. It should be the first one that pops up. Um, so I'm back a lot to talk about. I mean, what a day it was. If you're an Aztecs fan, if you're a Team USA fan, this was like heaven. What a freaking day. So we'll get to the Aztecs here in a bit. I already had my reaction to that, but I'll give more reaction to that at the end for the podcast audience, for the live show audience. Uh, but obviously, there's still a lot to talk about here Padres-wise. I wanted to start kind of with Thursday and then Friday, and then we'll hit on today's game a little bit um, because this was the first game where we saw Tatis, Soto, Manny, and Bogarts in the same lineup together, right? So I was really, really looking forward to that. First inning kind of got off to a slow start there, but 
hey, the offense came together eventually. And that's what makes this Padres team so dangerous, or at least on paper. And sometimes in these spring training games, right, they get down, but especially if the bottom of the order is having a good day, like Luis Camposano with the home run, right? The bottom of the order, Grish with the gapper. So I guess we can start on today's game since I'm already getting into it. Padres and Brewers today. Uh, Honeywell was on the mound, uh, but I, I want to stick with the offense here for a second. So down 5 nothing in the second inning, but then the offense scores seven runs in a three-inning period, third, fourth, and fifth inning, combined seven runs. Camposano went yard, Manny went yard, Crony went yard, Crony went yard to give the Padres the lead, and then Grish had that gapper in le- into the left center field gap, Tatis had an RBI single, he had two hits on the day. After having two at-bats yesterday, he wasn't supposed to be in the lineup earlier today, but he was in the lineup because Bob Melvin only had him have two at-bats yesterday. He kind of changed that up, and I guess it was up to, I guess it, Tatis is so on track now for his debut April 20th. He's on track schedule-wise. So now I guess the Padres staff has left it up to Bob Melvin on when Fernando's going to play, and it's up to him and the coaching staff and Fernando, uh, like his health, how does he think he's feeling? Does he want to go that day? Like It's kind of up to him now, which is good. I saw something, someone wrote something. Maybe it was Kevin Acey. Uh, I forget who it was, but someone put that up. Um, on social, or maybe it was maybe it was Bomel himself that said it, that Tatis is just on the right track, that he's just ready to go. So that's good news, obviously. Uh, so yeah, Tatis had two hits today, and even though they were down five nothing, I know they're not facing like the Houston Astros or the Dodgers, the Phillies or the Braves or the Mets. You know, another contender in Major League Baseball. Uh, and who was the Brewers pitcher today? I I already forget who was pitching for them. Bryce something. And he spelled it with an S. Bryce Wilson. Four innings, gave up five runs, seven hits, two home runs. So these are like no-name guys that were pitching. But I think they can still do it off of major league pitchers, like pretty good pitchers. That's how talented this lineup is. Like when the bottom of the lineup is clicking, like I said, I've said probably multiple times already this spring, when the bottom of the lineup is going, Grish is hitting to all fields. He's being aggressive. Hassan Kim's getting on base. Nola or Campy's getting on base or homering like Campy did today. We like that is dangerous. You like the big comebacks, the the five runs, six runs, seven run. They scored nine runs, right? In like two innings uh, in a game earlier this spring. Might have been against the Diamondbacks. I think it was in Peoria. Could be wrong on that. Uh, But I think I remember that correctly before the WBC happened. Definitely before. Like those big runs, they can go on that because we know what the top of the lineup is going to give the Padres. We know Tat- we know what Tatis is, go- his talent level, right? And I- I'm not concerned about him at all. We know Soto is gonna probably hit like an MVP this year, based on how we saw him hit in the WBC, based on what we're seeing so far in spring training. He's looking really, really good. He's the favorite to go win the NL MVP this year. Manny's coming off of what should have been an MVP season, and he homered today. He homered twice, really. He had a double. So he had a double. Grish Gapper, Tatis single, right? Manny, they call it a double, but it was a home run, I think. Someone DM'd me on Instagram today saying that he was at the game and it looked clear that it was a double and not a home run. But my eyes must have been tricking me then. 
because I was watching the game on television and I obviously clipped it and, and posted on social media and I slowed it down, replayed it like five times. And I swear that ball hit above the yellow line. So I think that was a home run. I think Manny hit two bombs today. I'm going to say he hit two bombs today. Um, look, the top three in that lineup, they're looking good so far. Tatis had a slow start, but he's looking good as of late. And then Bogarts, obviously, he's as consistent as they come. Crony, obviously, he's going to have a ton of RBI opportunities this year. And then Carp or Cruz. And then the bottom of the lineup, they're looking pretty good so far this spring. Grish is being more aggressive, changed his, changed his stance back to more like it was in 2020. And then I think Noel's been doing all right, and Campy's just coming back from the hammy issue. But even if the bottom lineup, even if the bottom of the lineup isn't totally clicking, they're able to score five runs a game from the top half of the lineup. But when most of the lineup is clicking and the bottom of the lineup's clipping, uh, clipping, bottom of the lineup is clicking, and the top of the lineup is up after guys are on base, now you're looking at nine-run games. And that's going to take pressure off of the pitching staff, right? Because there's some questions at the back, the back end, right? And Blake Snell struggled the other day, and Honeywell struggled today. I, I don't know if he's going to make starting rotation. I don't think he's going to be a starter for the Padres at the beginning of the season. But not everyone's going to st- have an amazing start. No one, Not everyone's going to go six shutout innings or six innings one run like someone's going to give up five runs in an outing but the Padres offense can dig out of that hole and win that game right so I was encouraged by what I saw today from the offense now Honeywell three consecutive innings with leadoff walks he was took out in the second inning because of spring training pitch count all that some no-name guy came in to finish the second inning and then he came back in the third in that second inning, man, he struggled. Two walks, gave up, what, four hits? I don't know if he's going to make the roster. I think on my last roster projection, I, I believe I had him making the roster. But I think that's, I think I accidentally had 27 guys make the roster. So that was my bad. I had someone point that out to me, and I totally forgot to count at the end. So, yeah, that is my bad. I had Darvish, Snell, Waka, Martinez, Lugo, Musgrove, and I had Wilson, Nabil, and I think Honeywell. But then I went back and fixed it, and I had Honeywell not making the roster, and I had Chris Matt being the last man in it. That's a long guy. and Because I'm including Musgrove right now. Because I try, I, he's working his butt off. I think that, like, I'm not going to count him out right now. My last opening day roster projection, the one right before opening day, Maybe I don't have him on the roster, but that, that'll be after we hear more information, right, about Musgrove and his status and if he's going to be available or is he going to go on the IL. We'll, we'll know probably by then. So maybe I'll have Honeywell on the roster by then to be like a, a, a piggyback guy in the bullpen or maybe I'll have Groom on the roster. Out of the starting guys, Honeywell, Weathers, Groom, Tehran, like those, those four, there's probably some other guys, Kinnear, um, Groom, I think, has the edge out of any of those guys, but Groom can be sent down. Tehran, he can opt out at the end of spring training if he's not on the roster. Honeywell can opt out, or not, he can't opt out, but he can, he has to go through waivers because I think he has like a certain amount of service, years of service in the big leagues. So he can go and has to pass through waivers to be sent down. And I don't know if the, I don't know if another team is going to, 
pass on him. Every team in the big leagues is going to pass on Honeywell with that stuff that he has, the potential. I don't see that happening. I don't think the Padres want to risk that. That's why. So that's my case for him to make the opening day roster as like a last guy in the bullpen. But he's going to have to pitch better. No doubt about that. He's going to have to pitch better. Pitch much better than this. Because this is like two or three outings now, right? That he hasn't had his best stuff. Uh, he's had some swing and misses. He's always going to have that, it seems like. But he's going to give up home runs or he's going to walk guys when he's not on his game. So he needs to get back to how he was pitching more at the beginning of spring training if he wants to make the roster. Devin says, Bomel said he prefers the five-man rotation, but I don't know if it's the best route for the Padres to start the season. I agree with that. Like it, The six-man worked with them last year and with the whole Musgrove thing, right, and Darvish coming back from the WBC with probably limited starts. You probably don't want to be forcing guys every five days. You want to keep guys healthy. Lugo, Martinez, it's probably better to pitch every sixth day instead of every fifth day starting from the get-go at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Honeywell not looking good, but he can bounce back. There's still time. How many more days do we have left? Like 13? We got how many more starts does he have? A couple more? Maybe another backfield outing? So he's going to have to look really good in those outings, though, because Jay Groom, he, he, he's the leader in the clubhouse. If Musgrove doesn't make the roster, I think he's the leader to get that six rotation spot. If they go to do, or if they, if they end up going six-man, a six-man rotation. Bob Melvin said the other day uh, about Jay Groom, quote, he's earning his stripes, end quote. Groom had four scoreless innings in his last outing. It was not in a Cactus League game, but it was on. The, it was in the B game, I think, against the Mariners because there was a game that got rained out, and he was supposed to pitch that Rockies game, but Waka, the veteran, he had priority, so he pitched the Cactus League game. Groom pitched the backfield. Four sco scoreless innings. He's pitched really well so far this spring. And if we go back to Saturday, Snell, three innings, seven earned runs. We already know he's in the rotation, but... Yeah, he didn't look that great. Three walks, gave up a bomb. But he has, I, I thought he's looked pretty good in his other outings in spring, at least that I've seen. At least the outings that I remember, I think he's looked pretty good. And it's one spring training outing. I don't want to totally overreact to it. What, I, what I've heard from reports, what I've read uh, from beat writers and stuff, and from what Bo Mellis said, and what even Blake has said himself, like, he is more prepared for the season than he has been in the past with the Padres. So I'm trying to take that more into consideration than what he does in one start on a night game against Seattle. Uh, Tatis had a home run on Friday to center. A great catch in right field. I'm not worried about him. I don't know how many Padres fans really were worried about Fernando, to be honest, though. because. Yeah, he got off to a slow start. What, he went like 0 for 16 to start spring training? But beat writers, reporters, Kevin A.C., A.J. Casville, Dennis Lynn, those type of people, those beat writers, right? There's nothing against them. They're looking for something to write. Like spring training, it can get pretty boring. Every day having to, covering, having to cover the team, especially during the WBC. Like your, your focus is on Tatis when those guys were away. So when those hitless games continue to happen, that's your story. Like you just have to ask about it. You you have to try to make a story out of something, right? So I don't think they were like 
or I don't think Kevin AC or Dennis Lynn or AJ Casabell or Sam Levitt, whoever's asking questions, I don't think that they're they were worried about Tatis. They just have to ask those questions to put that out there to give them something to talk about, something to write about, something for sports talk hosts to talk about, right? So I totally understand that. There were probably some Twitter trolls that were like, oh, Tatis, the, the roids. But and now that he doesn't have them, uh, what is he now? But it's like, come on, guys. Really? You're, you sound like idiots. You know, 0 for 16, whatever. It's spring training. There's plenty of time for him to get ready. Uh, I'm not worried about that. Anything else from yesterday's game? I mean, Jackson Merrill, he stood out yesterday. He got sent down. I mean, he wasn't on the 40-man, but so he didn't technically get optioned. But he went to minor league camp. The Padres made that move official earlier today. Let me look up the other guys that they optioned. They sent to minor league camp. It wasn't anyone that, like, surprised me. Here it is. So Juan Fernandez, Chandler Siegel, I guess they're catchers. Jackson Merrill, Max Schrock, Preston Tucker. Preston Tucker was, I don't want to say he was fighting for an outfield spot because I didn't think he was going to make the roster anyway, but he had like a real outside shot. Like injuries would probably have to happen and he would have to play really, really well. Like Tim Lopes is playing on the infield. He'd have to do that. Like a lot would have had to gone right for him to make it. So he's being reassigned to minor league camp. But Merrill, man, he's he's been impressive this spring. 19 years old, number one Padres prospect, and you could see why. From the beginning of spring, I think like his first game, he had a three-hit day, just spraying the ball to left field. He's a lefty, obviously, at the plate. And he throws right and just takes his hits. And on Friday, he made a couple spectacular plays on defense. And th- those were not the only impressive plays that he made at shortstop on defense in spring training. So I really would love what I'm seeing from Jackson so far. And uh, I'm glad that the minor league games are going to be on the MLB TV package this year. Because I get that. Uh, with my family having season tickets. So I'm probably going to be watching a lot more Jackson Merrill than I'm used to watching. Because I wasn't going to go pay for the, the MILB TV package or whatever that was. When my focus is on the Major League Padres team. But if... They're playing if Mar- if Merrill's playing when the Padres are off or something like that, I'll flip it on or have that as an extra sc- uh, extra screen. Um, I'm excited to watch this guy develop. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see where he starts the season. Is it going to be high A or is it going to be double A? Maybe it's high A, but if I were the Padres, I'd try him at double A. You could send him down if he's not ready, but I'd try him at double A, play him most of the season at double A, and then the end of the year have him play triple a and then and do that same thing most of the year in triple a in 2024 and then maybe if he's ready in 2024 at the end you bring him up but you only bring him up to the big leagues in 2024 if he's excelling at the minor league level and there's a spot for him to play if there's no spot for him to play and he's going to be sitting on the bench you don't bring him up you're not wasting service time for your top prospect right to not play you're going to be playing right so maybe it's more of a 2025 thing because Hassan Kim, if you look at his contract, I think he has two more years of control or is it one more year? It might be one more year. Let me look this up real quick. 
Hassan Kim contract. I'm looking on spot track. Okay, so two more years. So after 2024, he's a free agent. There's a mutual option. Looks like for $7 million for 2025. So maybe the Padres don't pick that up and Merrill's ready for 2025 to just take over as maybe the shortstop. If they want Bogarts to move over to second base by that time, Bogarts will have two years as a Padre under his belt by entering 2025. 2025, so it's a mutual option for Kim and there's a $2 million buyout. I would think the Padres would still pay 7 mil. Like That's not a lot for us on Kim especially with the market just continuing to increase. But it'll have to be a mutual option. So the Padres would probably be okay with giving Kim that. But would Kim want $7 million only? Or would he, be, would he want to go out to the free agent market? I only see him improving. So I would think he'd be gone. Maybe not gone, but he'd probably want to test free agency after two years. But again, that's a long ways down the road. I'm just trying to see maybe when... Jackson Merrill coming up to the big leagues. When does that kind of line up? I would think 2025 would work. Just looking at that scenario. Because obviously he's going to play when he comes up. Like you can't have him blocked and have him just go sit on the bench. Yeah, Jack says, yo, that USA Venezuela was lit. I found myself cheering for Turner. I mean, so on my baseball struck YouTube channel. I actually just published this. So after this episode, after this show, go to Baseball Struck, my MLB baseball YouTube channel. I've had daily World Baseball Classic reactions, recaps. Uh, I gave my reaction to this, and I was super pumped up in this video. That was Trey Turner's signature moment. I know this is a Padres show, San Diego sports show, but what a, what a moment that was, right? For those people that say that WBC doesn't matter, Go watch that. The Team USA players sprinting out of the dugout. I wish someone had a camera on me when I was sitting on the couch watching that Grand Slam. I immediately got up, hands in the air, screamed, let's go, loud claps. My family was probably glad that they weren't in the house because I was super loud. But yeah, I found myself really, really cheering for Trey Turner. I'm, I'm fine with that. He's not a Dodger anymore. And I know he's on the Phillies, but I don't really see a rivalry there, Padres-Phillies. Sure, it sucks that the Phillies beat the Padres last year, but I don't really see that as a, a rivalry. Uh, and he hasn't played. He sucked with the Dodgers in that series against the Padres. So it's not like I hate Trey Turner right now. So yeah, I was fine cheering for Trey Turner. I, I'm cheering for USA. Like anyone that knows knows me knew I was cheering for USA going into this tournament. I wanted the DR to be out. Go back to Peoria, Soto, Manny, Cruz, Garcia, be healthy, especially with Soto with the calf stuff. Be healthy, and I was rooting for Team USA just because I have no relation to any other country. I haven't been to another country, like Team USA, Team USA all the way. So, yeah, what a game that was. That would have been an embarrassing loss for Team USA, but they were able to pull it out. Bases loaded in the seventh. Trey Turner comes up huge with that granny. Zero, man. He, he's, he's making some interesting decisions as a manager, though. All right. I'll get back to the chat, and we'll do some more WBC, actually. Just a, just a, a quick WBC 
recap. But first, a message about Gaglione Bros. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. To the chat, obviously, any super chats, any super thanks, I'll definitely get to those. I appreciate everyone's support. Again, the podcast, so the reason why, if you're just tuning in here, the reason why I didn't do streams or shows or episodes for a few days was my podcast was moving to a different spot, uh, a different kind of system. So it just took some time for that to, to happen. Uh, but I'm back now. Podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just look up Talking Friars and you'll find it there. Or just go to my Twitter or Instagram and click on that link in the bio and it'll take you there as well. Um, all right. So WBC recap here. So Team DR, obviously, they lost in pool play, lost to Puerto Rico. Manny bases loaded in that spot and grounded into a double play. Instead of hitting like a gapper and maybe it was going to be a 5-4 game, it ended up being 5-2. to two. And right after that double play, it felt like the game was over. Obviously, the Edwin Diaz stuff, that, that was very, very unfortunate. But, hey, that was a freak thing, right? The WBC is not going anywhere just because of someone's injury, right? Brennan Nimmo, who was against the WBC and said in a press conference after the Diaz injury, like, my focus is on the Mets. My top priority is the Mets and winning in the Mets or winning with the Mets and helping them in any way I can and blah, blah, blah. Like the next day he goes and gets hurt in a spring training game, you know, playing baseball. Like it, it could happen anywhere, right? The Gavin Lux injury, you know, it could happen anywhere. So the WBC is not going anywhere. It was unfortunate, but it's not going anywhere. Uh, but yeah, Manny Soto, Cruz, Garcia, obviously they went home earlier than expected, but that pool was a really strong pool. It, it was disappointing. If you're a DR fan, you're probably very disappointed by the Dominican showing there, but I'm not disappointed in the Padres players showing as a Padres fan. Again, I was rooting for Team USA, so I didn't care if the DR didn't get out of pool play. Um, They're a really good team, so I didn't really want Team USA playing them. So I was happy. But yeah, Manny played well for the most part, homering twice. He could have homered like three times in the tournament because, or maybe four actually, because there were two balls that he hit in pool play that were warning track balls that would have been out at Petco Park and probably most parks, but Marlins Park is huge, especially in center field. Soto hit a bunch of a bunch of bombs, a bunch of line drives. It felt like every ball off his bat was a missile. It could have been a line drive to the first baseman for a double play, like it was in one of his at bats, but he smashed the ball. And he said the other day to the media that he's seeing the ball really, really well, feels really, really good. Feels like he, how he was going into spring training in 2020. Or it's how he feels. He feels right now how he felt in 2020, in spring training that year. And for anyone that wants to know, his 2020 numbers were outrageous. I know it was a short season, but he hit 351, led the National League in average on base percentage, 490. Slugging percentage, 695, and OPS, 1185. And he didn't win the MVP, which is interesting. He led the league in batting average on base percentage, slugging, OPS, and OPS plus, and intentional walks. And he got a silver slugger and didn't win the MVP. He placed fifth, fifth in the MVP that year. What a year from him that year, huh? So, yeah, 
you expand that to a full season, and that is one heck of a full season for Juan Soto. So, yeah, I, I don't blame people for thinking that Soto's going to go win the MVP this year. Maybe he's my pick. I'm probably going to wait for my predictions on that till just before opening day. Probably have an episode on that. But, yeah, he's looking good. He looked really good in the World Baseball Classic. And he has that shuffle back, and he's smiling and nodding his head. Even when, like, a pitch is for a strike, he's like, all right. Or he fouls a pitch off, like, all right, I got you. I, I, I'm i on track. I'm tracking this really well right now. So I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Juan. Nelson Cruz only got one at-bat, but he got a hit for the DR. He needs to get more at-bats. He, he admitted that to the media the other day when he just got back from the WBC in Miami. He was the GM. He was, like, the last bench guy. He didn't get really any at-bats. He got one at-bat. He played right field. He went out and played right field. This was a game they were run-ruling the other team. So I think it was Israel. So take that into account. He's not going to go play right field for the Padres, I wouldn't think. There's other guys that can do that. But it was fun. I mean, the reception that he got from the Team DR crowd uh, in Miami, like and the players, obviously, they were all on the, the top step in the dugout. You can just tell how much Nelson Cruz means to the Dominican Republic, the fans, the players, right? Manny growing up, looking up to Nelson Cruz, and even as a young player, Nelson Cruz was his big mentor, right? So uh, that was a cool moment to watch there live with Nelson Cruz getting that at bat. Uh, Luis Garcia, I thought he pitched pretty well. I think he pitched two and a third innings. Team Columbia got out in pool play. Nabil Chrismat pitched really well, I thought, in his one Start started the first game. Colombia beat Mexico, upset Mexico in that game. Four innings. I think he gave up one run. Hassan Kim, Team Korea, they were out in pool play. Went two and two. They scored 22 runs. They beat China by 20 runs in their last game, but they still didn't advance out of pool play because Australia went three and one. Japan went four and zero. Oh. They're the best team on the left side of the bracket going into Miami. They're probably the best team, to be honest. For anyone that was up at 3 a.m. like I was watching those games, you'll probably agree with that. Uh, but yeah, Hassan Kim, I mean, he didn't have a great WBC if you look like at, at the batting average, but because of the three home runs he hit, which when he was done with the tournament at that time led the WBC in home runs, uh, it might still lead it, actually. I don't know. But he had uh, a heck of a pool play there with the home runs. Scored some runs, obviously. Um, but his average wasn't great. And he would, I mean, he apologized to the Korean fans. He was like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. He made an Instagram post the other day. I'm sorry. Disappointing performance. And he was saying that to the media as well. So, I mean, I what I, also what I loved about this WBC is seeing their respect from the fans in that left side of the bracket, right? The Japan fans, the Korean fans. They just have a, it's a different, it's just different watching those games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's really cool. So maybe if you watched on replay or you DVR'd it, if you weren't up at 3 a.m., like, those games were just different. It was really cool seeing those environments. I definitely recommend you go back and watching those games or at least highlights just to see what that kind of environment was like. Uh, Xander, Team Netherlands, they were out. That was another surprise in pool play. I probably already recapped this, but they went 2-2. Two and two, uh, Won their first two games, lost their last two. Bogarts played okay, hit a home run, made some really good defensive plays. Brett Sullivan, Team Italy, they made it to the quarterfinals. I thought Sullivan did okay. He made an amazing throw against Japan in that quarterfinal game, but uh, they weren't going to beat Japan in the quarterfinals. That wasn't going to happen. It was just good that they got out of pool play, to be honest. I don't know if they were expected to, right? It was probably Cuba and Netherlands, right? I think Netherlands was the, the team in that group. They were the ones expected to get out of it, but Italy got out of it. So congratulations to Brett Sullivan and Italy, Mike Piazza. Uh, Kristen Norfi, I think, was Italy's third base coach. So that's a cool little nugget there. Um, random. I saw that last week and was like, what? I didn't know that. But yeah, so a lot of guys eliminated early. I would not have believed myself if, I, if, if future me would have told me before the WBC that, hey, Manny, Soto, Garcia, Cruz, uh, Kim, Bogarts, they're all going to be out before March like 16th, the end of March 16th, the end of that day. I wouldn't have believed you because of how much talent was on those teams that they were on and the expectations of those countries. But here we are, WBC, some upsets. Uh, Nick Martinez, he headed back to join the Padres, I believe, earlier today. He was in Miami yesterday for the workouts, but Mark DeRosa, Team USA's manager, told Nick that his role, his starting role, was not guaranteed for him in the semifinal tomorrow against Cuba. Uh, in the final, if they got there. So Nick Martinez was like, all right, I, I got to go back to Peoria. Not screw Team USA. Obviously, he loves Team USA and loves representing them. But he, his priority is the Padres. He needs to be on track. His pitch count ramped up. He needs those starts. So he, he needs the guaranteed start with the Padres. Then maybe, maybe getting in, an, in the bullpen or maybe not getting another appearance at all in the WBC and then totally throwing off his ramp up. Like, because it's different. Throwing pitches in the bullpen and throwing pitches in a game in a high leverage situation, high leverage situations, multiple innings, like those are two different things. So Nick just has to be ready for the season. So I totally understand that decision. And obviously Padres fans are going to applaud that decision from Nick to just agree with Team USA to just go back to Peoria and be with the Padres. I was just glad that Nick got a start. It was just unfortunate that they lost that game. Because Nick didn't pitch that bad. Sure, he gave up a home run to Joey Manessis, like I talked about already, but Arenado made an error. It wasn't counted as an error. None of these plays were counted as errors, but McNeil dropped a pop-up. He made a bad throw. 
Tim Anderson dropped the ground ball, and that led to two runs instead of one run on the Menezes home run. Like he really got screwed in that start. So that was the unfortunate part. But I was it was cool to see Nick in that USA uniform because I know how much it meant to him, right? Just like how much it meant to Manny and Cruz and Soto and Garcia to play for the Dominican Republic and how much it means for Japan, or excuse me, for Darvish to pitch for Japan, right? And Bergards to play for Netherlands and all the Padres that played. How much it means to them. Like just for them to be out there representing their countries. I know that means a ton. So I just want those I just wanted those guys to be able to play in this tournament, you know? Don't get hurt. Be able to represent your country. That's a win-win for both sides. And that's what happened in Nick Martinez's situation. Uh, as for you, Darvish, I had a video out, out about this the other day. I don't think we should be concerned about his readiness for the beginning of the season. I don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day, like in terms of the Padres' schedule, like him being ready every fifth day or every sixth day, like his schedule to be ready for opening day. I think he'll be ramped up, but... Will his will March 30th come on that fifth or that sixth day? Like, will it line up for opening day based on when he's going to be pitching for Team Japan? Because if he pitches a certain day for Team Japan, if he pitches on Monday and if, it, if it's every, what, fifth day? I went through this in the video that I did the other day. One, two, three, four, five. He pitched the 18th, the 23rd, the 28th. And then that would line him up if it's every fifth day. It would be Sunday, March 2nd, not Thursday the 30th. But if it's every sixth day and he pitches on that Monday, it would be the 19th, his next start after that, the 25th. And then he could go on the fifth day on the 30th to make that. It wouldn't be every sixth day for that last turnaround before opening day, but he could go six days six day and then every and then five days after that he would be able to he would be ready for opening day then so who knows but there was maybe some concern from some uh bob melvin said the other day that it wasn't ideal that darvish only pitched two innings for japan out of the bullpen in their quarterfinal matchup to get to miami in the semis and it's not ideal but he threw less than 30 pitches after that he went to the bullpen and threw like 45 more so he got his pitches in. Now, those bullpen pitches are obviously they're not him pitching in the high leverage World Baseball Classic situation. But what I care about more is him getting the pitch count in. I know Darvish works his butt off. I know he's going to be prepared. I'm not worried about him. He's not someone I'm going to worry about. I'm going to worry about Snell more than I'm going to worry about you, Darvish. Right. So that's pretty much where we're at with the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Padre player-wise right now. It would have been interesting to see Team DR with Tatis. Vlad as well. Vlad Jr. Because he got hurt. But seeing them, would they have been able to beat Puerto Rico? Would, have that, would they have been able to get out of pool play? But Tatis was the one that made that dumb decision, so he's going to have to live with it. All right, I'll get back to the chat here in a second. But first... I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick-up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, 
and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. Whoever had a Trey Turner in the in their pick'em for Underdog Fantasy tonight, I don't know what his higher lower total base total was, but I'm looking at the Cuba USA game right now for tomorrow at four, and Trey Turner's total base, his total, the higher lower is set at one and a half. So you might want to use that link in my description for the 100% deposit match. You might want to use that and go higher on Trey Turner because after what he did tonight, I would have expected that to be like more like two and a half total bases like Trout and Betts are and Goldschmidt. Just a thought. All right. Going back to the chat here. Thank you all for being here. I appreciate the support. Uh, Errors asks, is Walker going to be in the rotation? Yes. Definitely. He was signed to be in the rotation. He was signed to be in the rotation more than Lugo, probably. Lugo is given the opportunity. That's what he's going to be given this year, but he's not a guarantee to be in the rotation. While Waka is. Cameron says Soto not looking good today. Well, it's one day. Yeah, Tatis had a cannon. That was an amazing throw. Yeah, so yesterday he made a great catch. He homered two hits today, and then he makes a great throw on a ball, a fly ball, one hop, bullet to the to Campy at catcher. And the runner was, I don't know if he was going to he was thinking about running, and then he just stopped. He's like, yeah, I'm not running on this. Tati sent the message. I think the runner on third got that. Maybe he was just faking all the way, but he definitely got the message. Like, all right, yeah, not running. Tati definitely sent that message. Opposing coaching staffs, third base coaches, will be looking at that throw, and they will think twice before sending guys. Maybe Trey Turner will go still because he's fast as heck, but... There's going to be a lot of normal speed guys that probably aren't going to be running there. Yeah, Irie says 
They want Brian Reynolds so bad, Ben is sick of hearing me talk about him. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sick of you talking about him. I just think that... Uh, maybe I am, actually. <laughs> maybe. I think it's... I'm just saying, I think it's a better conversation to have later in the year when we know more about injuries. Uh, is Grisham having a bad year again? I don't expect him to. Like, is he a need? Or are you, are you just reaching? Like, are you... Is it worth trading Jackson Merrill for Brian Reynolds? I don't think so right now. Same thing with starting pitching. Like, I get this question sometimes from fans. Should we trade for starting pitching? And I'm like, no, not right now. We have the depth. We have starting pitching depth. I want to see what this depth can give the Padres. This isn't the time to be forcing a trade, giving up prospects, maybe some major league guys, for a guy that will help the Padres, but... Maybe that guy's not needed right now at the beginning of the year. And you could give up less for him later in the year if it if you do end up needing him for a postseason run, right? Yeah, USA finally so, showed some emotion. I agree, Devin. Yeah, I did hear Altuve broke his thumb. That sucks. But again, that's baseball. He could have broke his thumb at spring training today in a spring training game. That's that's just what happens. Next time he'll probably be like Mike Trout and wear like that, you know, the padding on the on his hand that he was wearing. If you're watching the game, some guys use that. Maybe some people think that's weird for their swing and they don't like it, but maybe he'll do that next time. But it was kind of weird. Usually when they get hit on the hand, it's like the because Altuve's a righty. Usually it's the left hand because I think Tatis has been hit on the left hand before, but. This one, it was the right hand. Like it, it got his right thumb, I think. SD fan forty four. Who are we trading for Burns? No one. Not right now. We're not trading for Corbin Burns right now. Again, the Padres aren't going to force a trade when the season hasn't even started, and they went and got a lot of pitching depth this off season. Irie says, Blake does need to work out more, though. LOL, I just watched that Nolan Ryan documentary. I don't think he needs to work out more. I just think he needs to be better more consistently. Like, there was... Okay, SDFan44 says, I think Snell never got over being traded from Tampa. I feel like once he signs with another team, he's going to be better than in San Diego. I mean, I disagree with that. I th I think he loves San Diego. I mean... He was on that interview with Don and Mudd today, and he looked happy as can be. Did you see him after the Padres beat the Dodgers last year? Like, I don't buy that at all. I think he likes the Padres. I think he just, he needs to pitch better. He, he probably knows that he needs to pitch better as well. He has a, he, he's in a free agent year. He's on a walk year. He's a free agent at the end of the season, so he's going to be motivated to pitch well, not just to help the Padres win, but to get that big contract. So hopefully that's good for the Padres. I don't think that they're, right now, if I had to make a bet, are the Padres going to bring Trey, uh, Blake, not Trey, I have Trey Turner on my mind. Are the Padres going to bring Blake Snell back in free agency? I would say no. But if they don't, and he pitches his butt off and has an amazing year, and the Padres, you know, go win, go win it all, and he's like Steven Strasburg in the postseason, okay, that's good. 
totally fine with that, right? You can go walk and go sign with what whoever team, whatever team you want. Go get your money. Uh, I disagree with the workout thing. Back to someone else's previous point. Totally disagree with that. I was at the I was standing in line like an hour, two hours early last year at the before the Padres member photo day on the warning track. And I look over to my left, look up the ramp at the ramp. Um, it was at the like the was it the East Village gate? I forget what gate it was. And I look up at the ramp and Blake Snell's running the ramps before the public could get in. He works his butt off. I'm not saying that he doesn't. There are some guys that love posting their workouts on social media. It doesn't seem like Snell's really that guy. You don't need to. I don't care if you post your workouts on social media, right? As long as you pitch well, I know he's working out. He just simply has to, it's not simple, but he just has to pitch better more consistently from the get-go. That, that's what we want out of Blake. Be in the zone consistently. And if he can do that, then I agree. He's a, I agree with Irie. Underdog Cy Young candidate. Okay, where is this super chat? I said I was going to get to it. There it is. Okay, Evan, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Again, anyone else who wants to support the channel or make sure I get to your comment or question, you can use that super chat button like Evan did. Says, you're the man, Ben. Keep bringing us that fire content. I appreciate it. Anyone that's new to this, like, they know, or anyone that isn't new knows that I am a diehard Padres fan. I'm a diehard San Diego sports fan. I'm not doing this for, like, a bunch of money. I don't get a bunch of money from this. Um, I do it because I love it. I do it because I love talking to San Diego sports fans, Padres fans. I think Padres fans are the best fans on the planet. Uh, but I know every other fan base would say that. But I think... Every other fan base is going to see how great Padres fans are this season and how much they're going to show up this year. Like if you put a if you if ownership shows that they're trying to win, which they are, we're going to show up. And other fan bases, the sports world, this period is going to see that this year. So I I cannot wait. Devin asks, is Preston Tucker related to Kyle Tucker? Yes, he is his brother. I think his older brother. Big game from Kyle Tucker today, huh? By the way, in that seventh, was it the seventh inning? That strikeout looking terrible call from the umpire. Not the strike three. That was a strike, according to the box. And that was lower than the previous pitch, the 2-0 pitch that he called a strike. That pitch was not a strike. Terrible call. And he that obviously was going to be a strike, strike three later in the at-bat. But you asked about Tucker, so that got my mind to that. But yeah, he hit a homer today, had another run driven in, in I think his first at-bat. He's been big for Team USA so far. So he'll be starting. Continue, he'll continue to start for Team USA. I can't wait for tomorrow's game, USA and Cuba. And the Padres game tomorrow at 1.05, I want to say. I think the simulcast with the Cubs network, it's at 1.05. 1.05 from Sloan Park in Mesa. Yeah, Bally Sports San Diego. And then it's on the radio, 97.3 The Fan. All right, anything else in the chat here I should get to? Yeah, can't be at the plate today. I mean, I don't want to say he's been nice. Like, I've only seen a limited number of at-bats from him. It's not, it hasn't been a big sample size because he was dealing with that hamstring issue. But, yeah, he did tattoo that ball today 
the ball that he homered on to left. Uh, Devin asks, does the pitch clock negatively affect Snell's eff effectiveness? I, I hope that it doesn't. I hope that it's actually a positive for Blake because it keeps him from thinking on the mound or behind the mound. Whenever he walks a couple guys in the row, instead of sitting on the mound and adjusting his hat and adjusting his glove and looking into the crowd and taking a bunch of deep breaths, like it's good to take a deep breath every once in a while, but it feels like he does it a lot when he gets into trouble. Here, he just has to pitch. Stop thinking, just pitch. Pitch, pitch, pitch. Okay, you walk the guy, keep pitching. Stop thinking, stop thinking, right? I think that can be a positive. So hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's actually a positive effect for Blake. Should RoboUmps be implemented in the next WBC? Uh, I mean, they probably will be if they're in Major League Baseball by then. But I don't know if they will be. Next WBC is 2026. So maybe they will. Because, right, they're going to be in AAA, I think, this year. So maybe. If it, if it works in AAA, then it's probably going to be in Major League Baseball soon. So maybe they will be. I don't know. I think it's too early to say yes or no on that. I, I would probably prefer robo-umps just because a strike will be a strike and a ball will be a ball. Like, that's what it should be. I think anyone that says, well, no, part of the game is pitching to an umpire strike zone. Like, I, I hate that opinion. You can have your own opinion, obviously, but I think that's dumb. It's either a strike or a strike, right? In football, it's out of bounds or it's not out of bounds. In basketball, you're out of bounds or not out of bounds, right? In soccer, for the most part, it's either you're offsides or you're not offsides, right? They even have the technology now with the line, right? The, the, the VAR system to tell if it's offsides or not. That should be the same in baseball. It's a strike or it's not a strike. You're either safe or you're not safe, right? That, that's what it, it's fair or foul, right? It shouldn't be a judgment. Strikes and balls should not be judgments, in my opinion. All right. I want to hit on Thursday's game real quick. I know that was a few days ago. Maybe some of you don't even remember that game. Uh, but Padres won 7-1. Crony had a homer. Entering Saturday, he was hitting 419. He obviously homered earlier today as well. So he's having a really good start to spring training. And that's, I mean, it means nothing for the season, but you'd obviously rather still have him hit good in spring training than hit bad. And having him hit behind Tatis, Soto, Manny, and Bogarts when Tatis comes back, those four, uh, he's going to have a lot of RBI opportunities. There's going to be a lot of guys on base when he comes up. So look for a big year out of Jake. I would probably predict he's not going to be an all-star just because he's going to get most of his games at first base, and Goldschmidt's going to be an all-star probably just from like the write-in ballot. Pete Alonso's probably ahead of Crony. Um, who else? Freddie Freeman, right? Guys like that, they'll probably be Matt Olson, probably be ahead of Cronenworth, just in terms of name recognition as first baseman. Probably casual fans don't think of Cronenworth as a first baseman. Or if they do, they're going to say, hey, well, he's not as good of a first baseman as this guy because they just look at the, the, the power numbers because first baseman, they're supposed to have power, right? So that's probably why I would think that he's not going to be an all-star, make it three-peat. Uh, but I think he's going to have one heck of a season for the Padres if I had to predict. Michael walk on Thursday, three and a third, one earned run, four hits, five strikeouts on 72 pitches, which 
those 72 pitches, that's about the same amount that Darvish threw on Thursday in Japan. Thursday? Yeah, Thursday. So, again, I'm not worried about you, Darvish, right now in terms of his preparation for the beginning of the season. Seems like he's online with other Padres starters. Maybe not game situations, but pitch count-wise, it looks like he's around the same. Uh, good news on Adrian Morahone. MRI came back clean. Won't throw for at least a couple days, a few days probably, according to Bob Melvin. But it's good news. He walked off the mound this week, and he was dealing with that pain around his elbow. I think it was just above his elbow. And when we saw that, any Padres, you know, diehard Padres fans that remember the Morahone injuries, they're like, uh-oh, is this guy really going to turn into anything? Like, okay, it's another Morahone injury out for the year. And I, I had that thought in the back of my head as well. But it looks like it's going to be good news. MRI came back clean. No tear. So that's obviously great news. I, I, I don't think he would have made the opening day roster anyway. My last roster projection did not have him making it. That was after the Morahone news came out, by the way. Uh, but I think he'll still contribute to the Padres this year. Maybe he'll make a spot start. He can pitch multiple innings out of the bullpen. I, I still believe in Adrian Morahone. I'll put it this way. I still believe in Morahone more than I believe in Denelson Lamette at the end of his Padres tenure. You know, That's not a high bar, but I still have that belief in him. The 97 fastball, it's still there. You know, a lefty, like I want to keep him around, and hopefully he still has something left and he can stay healthy. So good news on the Morhone front. Right now, the opening day bullpen, I'd probably have it as, let's say there's seven relievers because there's six rotation arms. So Hayter, Suarez, Garcia, Pomerantz, Hill, Wilson, and Chris Matt. Right? That's six. Oh, one more, right? One more reliever? Would it be one more? Well, if I'm, if I'm including Groom, then that would be, no, six. No, that would, that would work. That would be, right? Because I said Hayter, Suarez, Garcia, Pomerantz, Hill, Wilson, Chris Matt. That's seven. Okay, then six starters. Okay, yeah. Uh, Morahone needs spin rate. Trashcan101 says. I mean, I don't know about that. I think he just needs to stay healthy. I mean, when he has stayed healthy, usually the results have been good. It, it's, it's a matter of health. Kind of how it, that, that's how it seems like with Brent Honeywell. I know he's been healthy and he's, he had a spotty outing today, but from like A's writers or an A's writer that I was in touch with this offseason, just asking about Honeywell, it's pretty much been about health. Can the guy stay healthy? If he can, he's really good. And I, I believe that with Adrian Morahone. Um, someone in the chat here asked about Adrian Morahone's age. He is 20. No, 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 24, sorry. He made his debut at age 20. Yeah, 20 would not have been right. Feels like he's been with the Padres since I was like 10, which isn't true, but it feels like that. All right, anything other, any other Padres stuff to touch on? Just looking through my notes. I don't think so. So I think it's a good time to hit on the San Diego State game real quick. I did have my 
initial reaction to that in a separate YouTube video here on the Talking Friars YouTube channel. So you can check that out when you're done with this episode, or you can check that out now because this is pretty much the end. I just want to hit on SDSU here before we get out of here. Uh, I appreciate everyone for being here, obviously, on this Saturday night. Feels like a Sunday to me, but Saturday night. Uh, Aztecs, they get the win, 75-52. I mean, Team USA won today. The Padres had a really good offense, uh, offensive showing today. San Diego State wins. I mean, my goodness, what a day. So they blow out Furman. Yeah, they were losing in the first half at one point, but it felt like they dominated this game. Defensively, they had six blocks in total. Keyshawn Johnson was having some alley-oops. Lamont Butler even had a dunk. Micah Parrish, 14 points in the first half. Outscored San Diego State starting five in the first half. Didn't do much in the second, but his points, I mean, that set the tone, and that gave San Diego State a big lead. Uh, Furnham, not Furnham, Furman, they, uh, they had a big drought. It was like seven minutes, and San Diego State went on a huge run during that time, which blew it open. So, San Diego State moves on to the Sweet 16. An amazing win, 14-point lead at halftime, again, which was how many points Parrish had in that first half. Four players were in double digits for the Aztecs, Darion Trammell, Lamont Butler, uh, Matt Bradley, and Micah Parrish. Bradley only had 10 points, but he was still impactful. A rope with some really big blocks. Second half, I mean, the one guy came up for a dunk, and a rope was like, yeah, don't do that on me. Don't Nice try. Block the crap out of that ball. Uh, Mensa had a huge block, just smacked it against the backboard, against the glass. Uh, man, San Diego State is such an athletic team. And I'm kind of sitting there in the second half, and they're blowing them out. And it's like, all right, can we get some of these starties, starters out of the game? But San Diego State has such great depth that if a starter goes down, yeah, that's a, that's a loss. But they can still go put together a good performance with someone else coming in. San Diego State was doing some line changes today. You know how in hockey they have the, the bench, the second line, come in for the first line? That's what happens in San Diego State. You don't see that really in college basketball, in tournament time. Usually it's like a seven-man bench sometimes, eight-man. San Diego State, it's like nine, nine-man bench. They, they, you know, Mensa goes out or a rope goes out. Okay, Ladie and Keyshawn go in. Right? Seiko can come in for Lamont Butler or, or Darion Chamel. Right? Like, this is an insanely talented team. And there were times this year where they blew leads or the game, they had a big lead and the game was closer than it should have been. But all that matters right now is they're playing, they just played the best game that they've played probably all season long. And that got them into the Sweet 16. And so. They will play the winner of the Alabama-Maryland game. Is that game over? I'm double-checking on ESPN right now. Yeah, Alabama won, 73-51. In their first game, their big, like, best player, Brennan Miller, I think is his name, he didn't score any points, I don't think. And they still blew out their team that they, the team they played. In this matchup, he scored 19 points, 5 for 17 from the field. Alabama's the one seed. So can San Diego State, as a five seed, yes, the first two opponents, Charleston and Furman, not two great opponents, right? Not the two biggest names. I never had heard of these two schools going into the tournament. 
but can they get past Charleston, Furman, and then Alabama? Can they shock the world beating Alabama? I know, what is their name? Fairly Dickinson or whatever. They they upset that one seed the other night, Purdue. I was watching the World Baseball Classic. I'm, I'm really focused on SDSU and then just baseball, just because I'm a San Diego sports fan and a baseball fan. But I guess a number one went down the other night. And uh, so it has been done this tournament. Can San Diego State do that? Kansas went down, I think, the other night as well. So I think they were a one seed. So can the can they knock out the third one seed in this tournament? I don't know when that game's going to be. Maybe next Friday. Is it next Friday? Let me see if they already have the schedule up here. Yeah, Friday. It says Friday, March 24th. Time TBD. And it's in Louisville. So that's going to be a really intriguing matchup. If there's a... I mean, I hesitate to say San Diego State can go beat Alabama. I think their road might end here. But I hesitate... I also, you know, I hesitate to say San Diego State's going to win, but I hesitate to say that San Diego State's going to not be able to, to, to limit Alabama's big guys from scoring. Limit Alabama from going off offensively because they just came off their best game of the year against Furman. I know Furman's not a great team. They're not on Alabama's level, obviously. But the Aztecs played tremendous defense today. And if they can do that against Alabama, they can hang in there against Alabama. And if, they, if San Diego State is shooting well, then they can beat Alabama. I think it'll be a close game. And I think Alabama probably just edges out San Diego State. But I believed in San Diego State in the first two rounds. I'm not, I'm not like John Fanta, who went on John and Jim this year and said, you're the Aztec all the time, and then picked Charleston to upset them in the first round. No. I, I thought San Diego State was going to win the first round. When they got Furman, I thought they were going to win the second round. Even against Virginia, I think in my bracket, I had them beating Virginia. Because I just believe in San Diego State, if they were able to get past Charleston, they can beat Virginia, another physical team. Uh, they obviously didn't have to face Virginia. Once they were going to face Furman, yeah, they're going to beat them, I thought. But it was still in a really impressive win. Uh, I think I have them in the bracket, though, just barely losing to Alabama. I think I have Alabama as my national champion. Hopefully I'm wrong on that, obviously. I hope I'm wrong come next Friday and uh, San Diego State upsets Alabama. Even if they don't, what a year it's been, though, for San Diego State. You go, what, 26-4 and four in the regular season, 20, what would that be, 29-6 and six at the end of the regular season, or excuse me, at the end of the conference tournament, right? Or no, 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 sorry, I, I confused those. 24-6, and six, I think, in the regular season, 27-6 and six after the tournament, 29-6 and six right now. I think that's what it is. What a year. Conference champs. Tournament champs, conference tournament champs is what I meant, and then at least the sweet, at least the Sweet Sixteen, when there were a lot of people. I mean, CBS guys on the desk were saying, "Watch out for an upset here." But then at halftime, obviously that changed. You have Charles Barkley saying, "Well, San Diego State, these are men, and they're playing against college players in in Furman." Something like that. He said something to that effect, and he was he was telling the truth there. San Diego State absolutely dominated Furman today. So, really, really cool win there. 
anything else from San Diego State or from uh, San Diego Sports? I mean, credit to Dutch, right? Credit to Dutch, the coaching staff. Not just Dutch, but Dutch is the head coach. So, obviously, the credit's going to go to him publicly. But we know, or at least I know, there's a lot of work being done by David Velasquez and Chris Acker and the rest of the coaching staff getting ready for these games and immediately looking at film, for example, for Charleston, right when they got that matchup, like 10 minutes later, looking at film, getting ready, putting in the work. And then the players just... They kept, like I said in my reaction, my instant reaction uh, earlier today, right after the game, keeping that foot on the pedal. Like, that's what they were doing today. And they kept doing that. If they do that against Alabama, and they come out, Alabama's maybe cold a little bit, San Diego State's hot, they're playing good defense, and they keep going, they can beat Alabama. I think so. Not me solo. I love this from him. Says San Diego State wins the Final Four. And San Diego Padres win the World Series. 2023 LFG. LFGSD. I added that. But yeah, I mean, I like the optimism. I don't think that's going to happen. I think if there was a Final Four San Diego State team, it was going to be the 2020 team. But um, I like the optimism. Twenty, The World Series part, that can happen. I think that can definitely happen. And it's March. I mean, it could happen for San Diego State. I just don't see it happening, though. The really good Alabama team they're playing, and then it's they're they, they're probably gonna have to face another really good opponent in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. It's hard, it's hard to get all the way there. But San Diego State, they do have a lot of athletic guys. They have a coaching staff that doesn't let up on the players, right? They have players that have kept the foot on the pedal in this tournament. Uh, Not Me Solo says, supposedly there's an education model installed at the Aztecs. They have to research and go over film before each game, keeping the educational aspect still in sports while being in the university. I'm sure that's probably the same with a lot of really good basketball schools and other sports with, you know, the great programs. They do their work. If you want to be good, you got to put in the work. You're not just going to instantly be good, right? All right, that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 365. Feels good to be back here with these live shows. Thank you, everybody, for listening on the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Again, look up Talking Friars and you'll find it there. YouTube audience replay live. I appreciate all of you. Have a great night, everybody. Have a great day if you're watching or listening to this on Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And I'll talk to you guys later. See everybody.